Today on CityCast Salt Lake, it's Emily Means filling in for Ali Vallarta. She's celebrating the release of the new Real Housewives of Salt Lake trailer at the Park City Chateau of her favorite housewife. You guess who that is. Today's show explores a bit of a heavier topic. Utah made national headlines this weekend in a bad way when a story broke about a BYU fan shouting racist slurs at a black volleyball player for Duke. Now, the facts around this story are a little up in the air. The Salt Lake Tribune reported BYU is still investigating the incident because videos from the game don't appear to show this fan harassing the Duke player. Although school officials haven't said they doubt the player's account. But even if we put this particular incident aside, Utah sports fans have a history of bad behavior. Salt Lake Tribune sports reporter Alex Vehar would know. He's seen this issue play out in all kinds of sports. Today, I talked with Alex about his reporting on this issue and what it would take for fans to change for the better. It's Thursday, September 1st, 2022. I'm Emily Means, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Alex Vehar, sports reporter with the Salt Lake Tribune. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, Emily. You've been covering sports at the Trib for a few years now, everything from youth sports to college athletics to professional sports, uh, including the Utah Jazz and Real Salt Lake. This story out of BYU this weekend isn't the first time Utah sports fans have made the news for their racism. We're still getting all the facts with this particular story, but historically, how has this shown up while you've been covering sports here? Yeah, it's uh, it's shown up in a lot of various ways over the years. I started at the Tribune in September of 2018, and just a few months later, I was reporting on a African-American high school basketball coach who was getting a lot of racially insensitive comments um, hurled at him from an opposing coach. And, you know, that turned into like a big investigation with the Utah High School Activities Association. And even now in 2022, I just did a story about um, youth lacrosse and how, you know, there's a program at East High School that's trying to attract kids from you know, the west side of Salt Lake City, you know, reporting that story, you know, there were some anecdotes about, you know, kids being called the N-word and things like gorilla and other, you know, racist terms, parents being told, hey, this isn't your sport or go back where you came from. And these kinds of things where, you know, it's, it happens so often that, and I mean, again, I've only been here four years and it's, and it seems like I'm either writing about something once or twice a year or reading about something several times a year. Right. And I, I read your lacrosse story and I was really struck by that because these are pretty young kids, right? Junior high aged kids. Um, but even though we've seen it at that level, which is most surprising to me. We've also seen this come up um, at a at a professional level of sports here in Utah as well. Yeah, so um, one of the things that I reported on when uh, Major League Soccer came out with their results of an investigation into 
one of the former Ralph Salt Lake goalkeepers and an incident that happened between him and actually another former Ralph Salt Lake goalkeeper. Um, I reported on that. And pretty much what happened there is one of the goalkeepers who is white made some sort of comment about the other goalkeeper who's Mexican-American about his, his, his ethnicity. So like, and that player was suspended from the team and then later released by the team. So, you know, these things have happened, like you said, in professional sports. I mean, Russell Westbrook, who's a, an NBA basketball player, has had a couple of things come up while at a Utah Jazz game in 2018. So these kinds of things, and John Morant also, you know, his, John Morant's father, who was at a game, mentioned, you know, he was getting comments that are, were racially insensitive. So, you know, yeah, like professional sports, high school, college, th this has happened across the sports landscape in the state so long as I've been here and and I'm sure after I'm gone. Um, I'm thinking about those young lacrosse players in particular, and I'm wondering how this bad behavior from fans, from parents, from players, how does this impact athletes? So on the youth level, one of the things I found most interesting about talking to those kids, many of whom were Polynesians, some of them were Hispanic, I asked them, have you experienced like, you know, negative comments or negative behavior from opposing fans or players? And some of them said, you know, they have, um, and some of them have experienced it, you know, themselves. But the prevailing answer that comes up is like, yeah, people say it, but like all that really does for me is kind of fuel me to play harder on the lacrosse field. They don't really internalize it as this like indictment on their identity or, um, you know, I think that, that on some of the, some level they understand that what they're experiencing is racism and discrimination, but the way that they are kind of taught by their parents and by their coaches. And also I think part of it is like, they're just, they haven't reached the maturity to sort of internalize that the way that maybe mm -hmm. older people do. They just kind of, they try to brush it off. They try to f use it as motivation for their athletic pursuits. One kid who I talked to kind of just said, oh yeah, they consider the comments childish and dumb. And that was kind of the extent of how they felt about it. And some of the comments that, that have been said are to the lacrosse players are pretty bad. So it, I did find it interesting that when I talked to the players who were being most directly affected, that their response and their internalization of that is very different than like somebody who maybe would be 25 or, you know, kind of in that, in that sort of age range. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And we saw with, you know, with Russell Westbrook uh, and John ja Morant, uh, much larger and forceful response to calling out this bad behavior, this racist behavior by fans. So um, I guess it's kind of kind of a spectrum. Not everyone responds to responds to these things in the same way. Yeah, it's it's that. And it's also in the cases of John Morant and um, Russell Westbrook, I think they have the opportunity because their platforms are so large, because the NBA's platform is so large that if something happens to them, maybe on some level they're like, yeah, I use it as fuel. But I think they are 
taught and I think they understand that they have the opportunity that if they say something about it, it's going to have a lot more traction because of how much attention there is on themselves as players and the NBA as a whole. It's something like that I think has a lot bigger potential to go viral online and a lot bigger potential to create a conversation that lasts longer. Right. Why do you think we have this problem here in Utah? This is not to say this doesn't exist elsewhere across the country, but it seems that we're often in the news. Um, I mean, you are writing the news about this. We're often in the news for our fans' racist behavior. What is it that makes fans think that they can act this way at a, you know, towards athletes? I am not like academically like qualified or intellectually like qualified to like have a definitive answer. My opinion sort of stems from the reporting I've done, the reporting my colleagues have done, and like even my own experiences like while living in Utah. Like um, I had a I had somebody who I knew say that I was a diversity hire. You know, not that long after I Oof. came at, at the Tribune, and that was like the only overt racially insensitive or racist or ignorant or whatever you want to say experience that I've had here. I think that what happens sometimes in in areas that are not super racially diverse, like Utah is, and you have generations of people who sort of have these attitudes, and you have a situation where if if a group of people is not really challenged to think of other communities other than their own, I think it makes it a lot more easy to pass on these attitudes. And then you sort of couple that with like the environment at a sporting event, right? Like you're talking about thousands of people. They're yelling all kinds of things, right? They're there's, heckling. They're heckling. There's cheering. There's jeering. There's, you know, you suck. You know, there's yellings at the refs, you know, at, at like youth and high school and college sports. There's parents yelling at the kids. And there's just so much like stuff where like one or two people who have these like you know, backwards attitudes can easily say a racial slur and maybe feel like no one's going to hear it. Right. Or, Mm. you know, or they, or they feel like that is, um, they feel comfortable enough, like saying something like the N word or saying something like gorilla or saying something else where in their mind, that's not wrong because they haven't really been around people who like just can flout to them like, hey, that's wrong. I just think that like sometimes the environment can make it conducive to somebody being comfortable saying something that is already kind of like in their psyche and they're kind of just like take the opportunity to do it because Mm -hmm. in their mind they're like, well, that's just my way of being like a fan and like I want to get in the head of like this opposing player. So here's how I'm going to do it. And like, and one of the first things that they think of is like color of their skin. It's kind of a safe space for their ignorance to come out. And I, I mean, I guess this gets to the next question, which is what would it take to change this behavior? You know, you've kind of outlined why some folks might think it's appropriate or okay for them to say these things. But I mean, really, what would it take? I think probably the biggest thing is like 
openness and like listening and sort and like and trying to kind of put yourself in a person's shoes, right? And also not ignoring the the history of the state, not ignoring new stories that come out about these kinds of things, not ignoring people's experiences. Because I think one of the biggest problems is that we have this culture where like, especially with the speed of social media, so many people are like quick to dismiss someone else's experience, right? Like, oh no, like it, we're not as racist as you think we are. Or like, you know, you shouldn't like cast a whole community in a bad light. I think there's too much kind of like dismissing of other people's experiences and not enough empathy. And I think that's kind of where we start. There have been a lot of things that I've reported on throughout sports that indicate a real desire for coaches, administrations, players um, to root out things like this, to like sort of try to figure out a way to get through the history of the state and the history of some of the schools here and to find a way to just kind of like be anti-racist and like have programs and like recruit more diverse players or whatever the case might be, right? Like, like there's real desire there. And I think that's good. There just is not enough checking of people in your own community. Like we're so siloed all the time. Social media makes that even worse. So if, if there isn't any like outside influence, any outside pushback or conversation that happens that really helps a person be more empathetic, helps a person understand the experiences of somebody who's not like them, then this kind of stuff is just going to keep happening. So Alex, one thing I was thinking might sway our behavior here in the state is how being racist affects our economic opportunities. Uh, The state always prides itself on being the best for business in the country. How does Utah's reputation for having these bad fans impact our ability to recruit and retain athletes? I think that's a really interesting question. And I think it's a relevant one, Um, especially kind of with what's going on with Donovan Mitchell right now and like whether he's going to get traded from the jazz or whatever. And and the reason I bring that up is because he has been very vocal about critical race theory. But I think that stuff like this for a player like Donovan Mitchell and for, you know, college athletes who have aspirations to be professional athletes or maybe high school athletes who are thinking about transferring to one of the schools here to kind of better their opportunities to go to college. Like if those people, if those athletes are people of color and if they are doing the due diligence that I would imagine anybody who wants to move somewhere or wants to play somewhere um, does, and they see that like these kinds of incidents keep coming up, right? At schools, at universities, at NBA arenas, I think it would make it difficult for them to just like blanket, like, yes, Utah, yes, the Jazz, Mm -hmm. yes, this high school or this college. That's not to say that like uh, athletes of color, especially in in recent years, like have not come to, to these places. I think something that's interesting about athletes is they have a great ability to compartmentalize. Mm. Um, But as, you know, the years kind of go on and as, um, you know, especially Gen Z people, they're so much more outspoken and so much more activist about 
these kinds of issues about race relations, about other social issues. If incidents like this keep happening, they are in danger of missing out on the, the best players in the country at any level. Alex Fayhart, thanks for talking with me and for your good reporting. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it a lot. Okay, here's a little news before we go. The Utah Department of Transportation has decided the best way to lessen traffic from the bottom of Little Cottonwood Canyon to the ski resorts at the top is not a bus. No, it's a gondola. Now, this is not totally a done deal. This gondola is still years out from being up and running, and the state legislature would have to be willing to fund the project, which will probably cost, oh, just a casual half a billion dollars. In the meantime, there will be expanded transit service up and down the canyon. So hop on that bus and give her a try. That's all for us today on CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Bye.